The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. Today, I have Brian Orm joining me. He is the CEO and president of Sawtooth Software. Welcome, Brian. Thank you so much. Great to be with you, Seema. It's great to see you and have you on the show. Uh, we have lots to talk about. Before we dive into Sawtooth and, and kind of what Sawtooth focuses on, I'd love to have you just share a little bit of your journey, Brian, as to how you got to this point in your career. Okay. I don't think any of us starts out and gets into insights and gets into analytics <laughs> and, and thought, wow, I'm going to do that. You know, yeah. you have to go to college and say, I'm going to have an insights career. I'm going to have an analytics career. You don't do that. I studied uh, economics and also English lit from in my undergrad. And then I went to, to business school to get my MBA at the um, University of Texas at Austin. And my first semester, you had to do your marketing core. And I had a professor named Dr. Mark Alpert. Okay. And he spent about a week of the marketing core covering uh, advanced analytics, product optimization, how to figure out what's important to people. He talked about conjoint analysis. He talked about market segmentation with cluster analysis. He talked about some perceptual mapping. And he said, oh, by the way, the last two lectures, I kind of covered some of these advanced methodologies. If any of you have interest in this, sign up for my multivariate statistics course next semester. And I was just hooked from that point on. And you loved it. I knew that I wanted to go into insights and analytics and strategy and that these uh, research techniques were a way to crack the nut for some pretty important problems. Very cool. And so after you got your graduate degree at UT Austin, was that when you went to IntelliQuest, Brian, which is where you and yeah, I met? Yeah, I know this. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, in 93, in 94, you and I were working together yeah. at IntelliQuest. And I remember you were really focused on conjoint at the time, or maybe it was all advanced methodologies, but you being the expert on conjoint it, fairly or well, is it... I, I was trying to figure it out. I yeah. mean, obviously I've been hired into marketing sciences and IntelliQuest did an awful lot of conjoint analysis yeah. and also uh, segmentation using cluster analysis and perceptual mapping. And we were almost exclusively using sawtooth tools. And after IntelliQuest, is that, did you join Sawtooth after that? Yeah. Yeah. I went straight to Sawtooth after IntelliQuest. That's kind of cool though. Like you joined and, and you ultimately ended up becoming CEO and president of the company. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's been a wonderful journey. I've just been super blessed. So let's talk a little bit about Sawtooth at Software. For those listeners who aren't familiar with what the company does, could you provide a brief overview? Sure. Sachi Software is an insights platform for either web-based surveys or surveys on devices not connected to the web. Our tools are probably most often used for product optimization and price optimization, willingness to pay, needs-based segmentation, sizing those segments. We're also widely used in you know, healthcare, pharmaceuticals. Mm. At the core of it, we're a survey 
platform. But as opposed to other survey platforms that are just really generalists, we were probably best known for conjoint analysis, mm-hmm. best for scaling, also known as max diff. But I think the best kept secret is that Sachi Software has this primary general survey writing tool that's super powerful. And not very many people know that. It, a third of our customers, we survey our customers every year and mm-hmm. we ask whether they use us exclusively for all their survey writing. And a third of our customers use us exclusively for every single survey Ah. project they're doing. And the others are taking a mixed approach because at Sawtooth, we play really nicely with others, easily Mm -hmm. linking uh, respondents back and forth to other survey platforms. And that's a very typical thing to do, to start a respondent in another survey platform and to link them to Sawtooth to do the conjoint module or the max tip module or whatever. But uh, so many of our customers use us for absolutely everything because we have a a really good survey package. So it's one-stop shopping, essentially. For most things, we haven't gotten really deep into the reporting. We do Mm. a really good job of exporting SPSS uh, data files with labels, so and CSV files with labels, so people who have their other reporting tools or their dashboarding tools can uh, suck the data from Sawtooth into those things. What types of customers do you have? Are you working with brands? Are you working with other market research agencies? Who do you primarily serve, if you will, in the space? Yeah, I think you've got it. In terms of the rank order of our segments, I mean, number one would be consultancies. Okay. Clear from huge ones like Ipsos and GFK all the way down to, you know, one man and one woman shops sure. uh, that uh, we really run the gamut there. And secondly, any of the companies like, you know, Microsoft and Google and Procter and Gamble, and I'm mentioning these names, um, you know, our customer list is private, but I'm mentioning any of these names I'm mentioning are because they come out regularly to our conference to present. Okay. And say that they use Sawtooth. So yep. any of these companies like Google's, Procter & Gamble, Microsoft's of the world that are large enough to have their own strategy or insights mm-hmm. department, they will typically use us. And then probably next comes this healthcare and pharmaceutical type segment. Okay. And then after that, academia and government. Got it. So you have a nice plethora or kind of a diverse set of customers that you serve, whether it being you know, healthcare and pharma, maybe directly, but working with other agencies and large and small shops. Yeah, it's really a nice portfolio of, of really motivated and loyal customers that we have who, who recognize and like us for what we do. No one, not a single one of our customers makes up more than 3% of our total revenues. So we're very well diversified. That's good. You can sleep at night. You don't have to worry about losing a big right. client, right? <laughs> always lose about worry about anybody. I know. I know. I understand. But Yeah. It's not like a company where you have 40% of your revenue up in one customer. I know. It's so funny how it plays tricks in your mind when a customer grows and you're like, wait a second, this can't be lion's share of the revenue. There is so much going on in our industry. There's the democratization of insights. There's agile platforms. There's, you know, this notion that people can click a button and get the insights they need. I'm curious from your perspective, Brian, you know, how educated does somebody have to be to be able to, number one, select and identify the right advanced methodology, if you will, for a specific business problem? And number two, to interpret the data. Yeah, fantastic question. I think most of you have seen the Insights Association Top 50 report that came Mm -hmm. out recently. 
they did a good job broadening the perspective of really who is in the insights and strategy. You know, we used to call it market research in- industry, but right. I guess that's a dirty word now and nobody <laughs> wants to call it that anymore because it's not cool anymore. So the do-it-yourself service platforms grew at a rate of about 35% last mm-hmm. year, but established market research shrank by 1%. Yeah. And I'm sure this is very concerning to a lot of people. Of course, if you're on in the self-service platforms world, then you're really happy because Wall Street loves you, private equity loves you. Yep. If you're in these established market research companies, you're sitting here saying, well, wait a minute, <laughs> don't we have value anymore? Yeah. What's going on? Because it's this democratization that you've mentioned that the platforms want to, the technology platforms just want to say, hey, Go ahead and and fire your consultants, fire your statisticians. All you have to do is cut and paste, drag and drop these modules into your surveys, press a button, and here are the results. You don't need, you can have the answers in two hours. You don't need to wait uh, one or two weeks anymore for for your consultant or your, you know, or or so forth to give you answers. And there's both good and bad in this. Uh, I mean, obviously, we we recognize that uh, faster and cheaper is is always better, but Mm -hmm. quality, can we really get the insights? Uh, The do-it-yourself platforms are fond of saying anybody can do research. This isn't, you know, we've distilled everything that you need to know for most all your projects into these little modules, just press these buttons and you'll be good. And it seems like people are willing to have a, you know, a C or a C minus answer mm. if you can get it to me in two hours, as opposed to an A or an A plus answer in one or two weeks. And, uh, you know, I guess if the business decisions that you have to make are not terribly consequential, that you don't feel like there's very much money riding on them, then yeah. maybe those C or C minus answers in a couple of hours are going to be good enough. But mm-hmm. I would really think that the, the pendulum has swung too far that way. Mm. And people are going to realize when they get, you know, as they start to get burned with multi-million or billion dollar decisions, they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, we really can invest a little bit more time into this by hiring the right kinds of people that have the right kinds of experience and depth to be able to. And we, we might have to wait a couple of weeks, yeah. but we're going to get the right answer. Have you seen instances where people have tried to use some of those platforms and they've come back to you and said, oh, wait a second, I need some help here. Can you help me distill this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, as you know, and I think that everybody knows what the technique is, although many of the listeners do. But I think it's a great thing that Max Diff and content analysis is being introduced by so many of these platforms because it introduces people to the method and gets people excited about the possibilities. But like you say, every day, it seems we're getting people calling us on the phone and saying, well, I got to start with Conjun analysis or I got to start with Max Diff with this other platform. But now I actually need to have some greater capabilities, yeah. more features, or I need to have somebody actually who can help me help out. Me. And our technical support group is just fantastic. We've trained them extremely well, and they really know that the methodologies. And so uh, when people call, they're going to get somebody who's actually going to be able to sit down with them and think through the problems. So let's do like, quote unquote, an educational alert, because I don't think, I mean, especially for people coming into the industry who haven't had their chance to get deep into the analytics, let's just do a little bit of explanation of conjoins in terms of sure. the methodology. 
Sure. So when you have a product or service that's made up of, of different pieces, you got a brand piece and you've got a, a functionality piece and a performance piece and a price piece and maybe a design piece, colors, et cetera. You can think of your product or service as being broke, you know, made up of all these attributes or pieces. And so let's imagine you're trying to optimize, you know, figure out what's the best combination of these features and attributes and prices that I could put together to compete well, to beat the competitors. I mean, everybody knows about cars. So let's imagine that I was thinking about cars. And so rather than ask respondents, what's important to you in a car? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, how important is fuel efficiency? Or how important is power? Or, you know, those kind of questions, just people just tend to say everything's important. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to figure out how to optimize your product or price it well by just asking those straight up questions. Right. So rather you'd want to put them in the mindset and ask them the kind of questions like they like they do in the real world, making choices among products. And so mm-hmm. rather than saying, you know, what's important to you in a car, you might say to them, hey, imagine there were two cars. There's a blue Camaro with an eight cylinder engine and there's a red Mustang with a six cylinder engine. Which one of those would you prefer? And then you just observe what they choose. Right. And then you, and obviously we need to vary the features so that we can statistically tease out what's driving people's preferences and what's important to them. So in the second question, you'd ask them, okay, great. Thanks for that first answer. But now what if it was a red Camaro with six cylinders versus a blue Mustang with eight cylinders? Now Mm -hmm. what would you, and by asking about eight to 10 of these questions in, in a simple conjoint, varying the features independently and just seeing what people choose, we can build very rapidly and using, you know, established methodologies that came out of economics and marketing. Uh, we can get these models that predict what people do, show what's most important and tell you what the most optimal combination is to be able to maximize your potential market share. Who are the people that would benefit from this type of analysis the most. I'm thinking of a product manager, but it could be other people as well. Yeah, I mean, at a well-established company that has product managers yeah. and thinks about it from that perspective. But in a lot of cases, it's just founders and engineers Got it. Yep. that are kind of, they haven't even gotten to the point where they have marketers but <laughs> right. or, or, or product managers. But it is, you know, in a healthy organization, mm-hmm. you have product managers who have to think about everything about the product, about it, ensuring its success in the marketplace. Right. And so certainly those product managers, but user experience people, but clear down to founders and engineers at more national type companies are going to be wanting to use conjoint analysis to answer these kinds of questions. And let's talk about Max Diff. Yeah. Max Diff turns out it's a really close cousin to conjoint analysis. Okay. It's easier to use. It's more broadly applicable. And Max Diff really can be done by just about any person with minimal, minimal research experience because it's like a conjoint, but it's like a one attribute conjoint with a lot of levels. Okay. It's a better way to get preference or importance scores for things than the five point or the 10 point rating scale. The problem with the five point and the 10 point rating scale is that people tend to say that everything's important. So Mm -hmm. you get very low discrimination. And furthermore, if you try to do any kind of cross-cultural research, some cultures tend to answer questions using just the top Mm -hmm. answers because that's just in their culture. And other people tend to use a a broad range of them and tend of the numbers on the scale or tend to be more naysayers. 
And if you try to use like a five point or a 10 point scale to go out and survey people cross-culturally, and then you try to combine the data and compare some people to other people, some of the differences you're going to see are just due to their culture or their mm. nationality, and it right. won't be any truth. Uh, the nice thing about Max Diff is there's no scale. You just show people items and you say, hey, here's four items. Mm-hmm. Which of these is best or worst, or which one is most important and least important? And of course, you might have 20 total items to cover in your study, but after asking people six or eight or 10 of these best worst questions showing four items at a time, you cover all the items multiple times and you can put it into a statistical analysis, but which by the way, uses the same uh, regression type analysis that conjoint analysis does. And it comes up with these really strong scales for saying, hey, this is important. This is not important. And you don't have to worry that some of the people that you're interviewing are Indians and some yep. are Germans and some are for Canadians, and they just have different ways of responding. Maxdiff cuts through all of that, gets great discrimination and gets rid of the cultural differences in the way that people answer questions. So it kind of gives you, instead of asking for a kind of stated importance, it gives you another way to get to what the most important features are or whatever those attributes are in a normalized way across that kind of takes out any kind of cultural bias. Yeah, I think that's a really fair way to say it. And so, you know, anytime you're sitting there using five and 10 point scales and you've been kicking yourself because you're just saying, man, this is just not getting me what I want. Yeah you know, you really should be thinking about best worst scaling or max diff scaling. And it's a great technique to introduce you to the world of choice modeling because Mm -hmm. they are choices. You're choosing a best and a worst. It's the first step to start unlocking for yourself why conjoint analysis, which is really the multiple attribute extension of max diff. Got it. The multi-attribute model as opposed to a single attribute with lots of levels. A max diff typically has 14, 16, 20 Mm -hmm. levels that you just throw into the uh, into the max diff algorithm and ask the questions. Whereas a conjoint, you typically have five, six, seven attributes, each having, let's say, two to six levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a brand attribute and a price attribute and a color attribute. Um, so max diff is a great what we call a entry level, uh, you know, starter level type, a starter for uh, yeah. to get you into conjoint analysis. So switching gears, Brian. What is the project? I know this is a hard question, so you can pick a couple, but what are the projects that you're most proud of and why? Well, I can answer this question in a couple of ways. Let me tell okay. you a story to answer the, you know, this question Great. in a more broad sense. Sure. About 10 years ago, I was out recruiting and I was at a university and I was making mm-hmm. a pitch to about 40 university students. And um, we got to the Q&A section and a person raised their hand and said, hey, Brian, what good does your company do in the world? Mm. And I thought it was a great question. That's a great question. I just smiled and I said, this is great. And Mm -hmm. I said, let me tell you about three applications that I've seen recently at Sati Software that have made me really proud. Tanzania. Okay, the government in Tanzania has got these healthcare clinics. Okay. And they're, they're building these healthcare clinics, trying to attract women to come out of the bush to get prenatal care. Right. And what are the barriers? They're not being terribly, at the time, they weren't being terribly successful. So Mm. what are the barriers to overcome to get these women to come out of the bush and get prenatal and postnatal care in Tanzania? You know, what services are they hoping for? What fears do these women have? And guess what? They're using conjoint analysis. They They were doing it on paper and pencil. This is over 10 years ago. They're doing it on paper and pencil and going out and interviewing 
uh, women in far-flung areas of Tanzania, what we might call the bush or whatever. Right. And the government is using that information to try to reach these folks and to give them better health care. And another example, and this was a fascinating example that came to us from a PhD student who was using our software. This lady had it was a PhD student in economics, but she had an undergraduate in marine biology. Okay. And she was doing her PhD project in the British Virgin Islands. And she was studying what divers and snorkelers, what's the balance of tourism for divers and snorkelers wanting to visit and see beautiful reefs, but the divers and snorkelers can damage the reefs at the same time. So how do you, as the British Virgin Islands, how do you manage this resource of, you know, tourism in a sustainable way to protect the reefs at the same time and educate dive operators regarding more reef-friendly practices, et cetera. And they were using content analysis and Satya software survey platform to do it. And the third one really hit home for me. This The third example that I gave to this person who said, what good does your company do in the world? I said, well, you know, just a few years ago, my wife and I were, were shopping for minivans. Okay. And my wife really liked the Honda Odyssey because, you know, they were the first a minivan that came out with this dual sliding doors controlled mm-hmm. by the remote key fob, you know, both yes. sides of, you know, what you, you may remember, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And I was talking to Kyle Zaraki of Honda R&D, and he's given me permission to, to, to share this study. Okay. Kyle Zaraki at Honda R&D was using conjure analysis. He said, and I talked to him about this he, and I said, Hey, we went car shopping. We were looking at uh, Honda Odysseys. He said, well, what did you like about the Honda Odyssey? I said, my wife loved the dual yeah. sliding doors. And he says, Brian, you know why the dual sliding door got into the Honda Odyssey. It was due to a conjure analysis study with Sawtooth. Wow. You got to feel good about that. All three examples are profound, right? That's amazing. Some reasons why I really love what I'm doing and really love what Sawtooth Software is doing in the world with these advanced methodologies because they do good. Yeah. I love that. And did you convince the person who, not convinced, but was the person shocked after you answered that question in terms of what good have you done in the world? I don't know if they were shocked. I hope they were just satisfied. I don't know. I assume they felt that I was going to be able to give in a good answer. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You really have shed some good light in terms of some of these advanced methodologies, and I'm sure our listeners would really appreciate that. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Seema. Of course. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling programming and hosting services or consultation we are agile and quick to meet your needs visit paradigmsample.com today thank you for tuning in to data gurus podcast this episode has ended but your exploration doesn't have to head over to www.datagurusspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.